Hey everybody, it's Corey Mosley and this is the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast, strategy, testimony, and real talk for all things entrepreneurship. And it starts right now. Hello, 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 and good day to you. It's another edition of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Mosley. And as you guess, we're talking about all things entrepreneurship, business growth, business opportunities, stories, tips, and tactics to help you fulfill your mission of entrepreneurship. And I've got another great show for you. I mean, I believe all our shows are great. I believe that uh, we've got some great guests and people bringing insights from all different walks, which is what I love, you know, from six-figure businesses, solopreneurs, larger companies doing tens of millions of dollars. It's the diversity of that that I think delivers a message. And our goal is to deliver a message where you can find something that resonates with you to help you accelerate. For you to leave the show and say, you know what? I picked up something that I did not know. I know something new. I maybe have a new attitude, a new outlook, or new information. That's our goal, and that's our mission. And we're continuing that mission today with my guests. And, you know, our focus today, we're going to be talking about some family business stuff. We're going to be talking about the digital landscape and and maybe what you should be doing in your business and some strategies when it comes to digital marketing and getting your brand out there. And I'm going to be doing that today with my guest, Glenn Pash. Now, Glenn is CEO of PCG Digital. Now, they're an Inc. 5000 agency that specializes in helping businesses create and deliver a modern retail experience to get customers raving, recommending, and returning for more. Then they want you to leverage it. Leverage it with digital marketing to connect with consumers of all ages and increase sales opportunities. Now, as an expert in digital marketing and process development, he's been featured on CBT News. He's the co-author of two books and also was an adjunct professor at Northwood University. He's an international speaker that's spoken for NADA, Digital Dealer, and the World Shopper Conference, amongst others. Some of his clients include Spectrum, Comcast, Berkshire Hathaway, and even Toyota. Glenn likes to say his goal is to help you simplify your marketing strategy and cut through chaos to deliver more qualified customers, streamline processes, and increase sales. Whew. Glenn, thanks for joining the show today. Thank you, sir. That's a, that's a big mouthful there about me. I know you've got some great writers. <laughs> I listen, you know, we, we try. We are marketers after all. I'm excited. That's right. I'm excited. You know, I wanted to have you on for a couple of reasons, and, and, and we've been talking about getting you on for a while, because there's a lot of um, – a lot of boxes you check for, you know, people who are out there that, you know, are dealing in, in a family business, which we'll talk about in a minute, that are dealing in a family business, that are dealing with scale right now. You know, we think of entrepreneurship as everybody being in a startup mode, but, you know, that's not the case for your agency. I think through the time I've known you, I think you've been on like, th- you've moved like three times in terms of expanding your business. So I think this is just going to be a wealth of knowledge and some things we could talk about. Now, you come from a big family. I, I want you to set the table a little bit. There's there's a lot of you guys out there, right? Talk about, you know, just talk about some of your kind of early steps to, to getting into this CEO role and and, you know, the role that kind of entrepreneurship has played in your life. Sure. So, uh, yes, there are a lot of us. 
we there's five boys we are all pretty much within six years the last two are twins so we had five boys grew up very middle class in new jersey my father you know working all the time my mother was a stay-at-home mom for most of her career and that you know just running the five of us that was a full-time job so you know being that middle class where my father provided everything for us, meaning we always had a roof over our heads, always had clothes, always had food, you know, never felt like you were lacking in anything. Mm. But he would always say, I can give you X, right? So here's what I can buy you in terms of sneakers or a bike or whatever. If you wanted, you know, the next level, right? So we used to get Sears. <laughs> and if you wanted the fancy Schwinn bike, you had to go right. out and earn your own money. So mm. from a very young age, we had, you know, our allowance, but we would be the kids who would go shovel snow to make money, rake leaves to make money, lemonade stand. Uh, you know, we used to call them fairs, but you know, that you would have like what we would call garage sale. But then what we would do is get some little trinkets, go down to the penny store. My grandmother would bring some stuff and then we would use our basketball hoop to say, hey, pay money to get five shots. And if you get them in, you win a prize. Type. It's almost like a fair. So we've been... Uh doing that from paper routes to everything we've been okay. working i guess since we've been young so so let me ask you was it because this thing popped in my head you know um i used to when i was probably i'm gonna say 10 11 ish i say around that time 10 11 12 ish uh, i had a friend named brad harold shout out to brad uh, we're still connected on, on social. And we used to make fun of Brad because, as kids do, right, because Brad was always – he always had a hustle. And it was that classic – his thing was mowing the lawns. And yep. Brad would, you know, oh, man, you know, can't make it, can't make it, got to go to Mrs. You know, Jones's house and, and mow a lawn. And, you know, we would kind of always make fun of him. But when I would go to Brad's house and go in Brad's room – Brad had shoe boxes full of money, and yeah, and yep. and, and, and I thought, so. I was curious as to when you when you talk about um, some of the things you guys were doing at a, at a younger age, was that were you insulated? Now Brad was like an only child, so he didn't have this family dynamic where maybe all of you guys were doing it together. So you had like a support system, but were you on the outside in terms of friends? Was there like a thing there where you know oh man you guys are at it again and why don't you come hang with us or hang more with us and not do that did you experience any of that when you were when you were younger i'm sure we did you know but we had you know when you came home you had your homework but back then you know you as soon as you were done with your homework you were outside so you're always with your friends but we had right. things that we had to do or we were you know, if we had to go do that, then, we, you know, we did it first and then went play. I'm sure somebody was going, come on, come on. No, you don't have to do that. But, right. you know, my father instilled in us at a very early age of saying, you don't have to do that. Right? You don't mm. have to go rake the lawn. You don't have to. But if you give that person your word, well, then right. that's a priority. You know, you don't right. have to because you can have the this bike or these shoes but if you want that and you told mrs jones in that in your example if you told mrs jones you're cutting her lawn on tuesday well then i don't want to receive a phone call from mrs jones saying you didn't right, right. That, you gave her your word make sure you deliver on your word then you can go play so i think that was more of we we were maybe <laughs> afraid to get yelled at by dad <laughs> right 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 you know did what we had to do and then went and played 
I, I, it reminds me of like um, if you go do a new construction home, you know, they say, well, you know, level, this is level one. Level one's included with the base price of the house. Now, you want level four wood. It's going to, you know, it's going to cost X, right? That That's what I feel like when you say, you know, your dad's like, hey, here's, you know, your the basics are covered. That's my responsibility as a parent. But, you know, you want an alligator on your T-shirt where well, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to go earn that, right? Exactly. It's exactly what so, it was. And so that ter- taught us the value of work and having your own money to be able to do that. But my father then also taught us how to make sure we saved some money because, you know, the lessons were if you went out and blew all your money on, you know, comic books or whatever. And then you said, Hey dad, can I borrow my, I want this. Mm. Like, you spent your money. Yeah, right. but I want it too bad. You know, right. Or if he lent you the money he had, I still remember he had a little journal and every week you had to come back and pay him off. You're like, you know, pay him <laughs> off. Pay, if you borrowed 20 bucks, here's five. There was. And so it was, I always still remember the journal with the pencil. Okay. You're paid up. And you're like, OK, you know, when you and, and when you're in the middle and when you're in the, the, the mix of that, it you don't a lot of people don't get it at that point. But, man, does stuff like that pay off in the end when you think later on just about your outlook and how you look at risk and how you look at opportunities and how you, you know, make decisions? I, I, I was I've got another show with a guy who, you know, is Harvard educated um, and and scaled up to about 50 million in this company. And I was having this conversation about how the, you know, a lot of times we think of the grittiness of entrepreneurship and, you know, a lot of the backgrounds that we hear, you know, I came from nothing or, you know, family problems, this, that, and the other. And that produces a lot of people who could be successful, but so many of them are all gas and no one ever taught them break. And I think, when you think about the quote unquote normal household where you have these different values and these different systems, like what you're describing, it teaches you break and break can be very valuable in, in a risk scenario or, or, you know, uh, building a business, especially in a, in a time patience environment where, where, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. Would you agree with that? Oh, a- absolutely. Uh, you know, as a, I always go back to what my father taught us was you have to work to get something. And if you, you know, you're earning it, if that's your goal to get the bike and you need to make $50, well, if $50, you're not cutting one lawn for $50, right? So you need that. And the same thing with your risk is if you blow your money and someone hasn't taught you, well, why are you blowing all your money on this? Do you really right. need this? You know, to have that conversation of, I have that conversation with my kids right now. So we're teaching them about that. And they said, well, yeah, but I want that. And I said, okay, but that's now. So let's take right. a look at this. You can spend your money on it, but odds are, if you look at your history in a week, you're going to be bored with X and then you're going to want right. something new, but you got to wait and earn that money to get that. It isn't just dad, just give me the money. It's okay. It's only <laughs> well, we had the conversation one time. It's only a hundred bucks. I right. said, okay, let's walk through how you earn a hundred dollars, <laughs> right. how long it takes. You're that guy. You're that guy. <laughs> well, you have to, because yeah, yeah. he was the kid, my oldest one. And we had the conversation. He said, well, how much would I make? And I said, well, let's just make it easy. Let's say you were making $10 an hour. And he goes, Oh, well, a hundred dollars. That's 10, 10 hours of work. I said, Oh, 
but there's a thing called taxes. And, <laughs> and really, it's a, and he goes, well, what's that? I said, well, really, you have to work 15 hours to get uh, well, that's not right. fair. Right. <laughs> Welcome. That's a whole Welcome. other conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What, right? That's you a whole know, other it's, conversation. It's so, um, I, you know, it's so taboo. I feel so bad in the world now because I, I was such a bit, I mean, I'm, I am, I'm still a big fan of, of the Cosby show. And it, despite the personal trials and tribulations of, of Bill Cosby, right. um, because it reminds me about those episodes where he moved all the furniture out of the house and he turned, you know, and, and Theo comes home and he gives him this monopoly money. And he's like, okay, this was your pay. Now, now you need to see what real life is. And well, here's rent. And he grabs that money and you need to eat, don't you? And he grabs that money and, and Theo's at the end. He's like, well, I still got money left. And he's like, do you plan to have a girlfriend? He said, of course. He takes the rest of the money, and now he's exactly. broke. Like, it, it's those moments and those lessons that you get to learn. So um, you're one of five. Where are you in the hierarchy, age, like within that group? Number two. Number okay, two. You're, no, you're number two. Uh, now, you're, you're, the oldest is who? My older brother is Jimmy. Okay. Uh, he's not in, 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 in the business with us. He, is, he works for uh, the DMV right now for the state okay. of New Jersey. And your brother Brian is younger. So he's, Brian's younger than you. Yeah, Brian's the middle. Okay. Brian's okay, the middle. He's middle. You're going, oh, that explains a lot. Yeah, he's the middle <laughs> yes. child. Yes, it does. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious because, you know, it's funny. I mean, I've known you a number of years. But I only know you as the CEO of PCG. How did that happen? What's the rest of your story that I don't know from, from oh you know, before the agency? Way back. Oh, uh, God. So I worked in hospitality for years. So I worked okay. in restaurants. So that's where okay. I, you know, through, through high school and college, you know, I needed to pay for college. So I worked in restaurants. I worked in a Perkins Pancake House for years, cooking. Um, you know, I was whatever, you know, you 19 doing the tough years guy. old. and. Oh, yeah. I mean, I worked. Okay. That's what I did. I mean, I always worked there. And then I, after college, I moved to New York City uh, to be an actor. So I was an actor for... I did not know this. This there is you great. Go. I, here, this, this is so I was great. an actor for about 10 years, I'd say. Really? So of course, you work in restaurants for, you know, to Correct. survive. Correct. Yeah, so, so like, wait, wait, wait. hold um, on. I'm not going to let you gloss over this now. <laughs> Ten years. I had no. I, this is this is so interesting to me. Like, I mean, what were you in? Were you like in Mentos commercials or like what? In no, no. Like, what were some of your stuff? I did a lot of stage work. So I did a lot okay. of plays in New York. I lived in London for a year performing. What? You know, I had no idea. Yeah. This did is a lot great. of Shakespeare, classic theater, things of that new plays. And then, you know, you would I did, you know, student films and you'd try to get I did a lot of extra work. So if you see me in the back, if you know where to look for me in a couple of movies, you're oh, there you are. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm the guy coming down the escalator, you know, that type of thing. And uh you know, did a lot of stand-in work on um, movies, but not, you know, like small, small stuff in, right, in, right. in independent tiny things. But I got to a probably you about were 30. I mean, oh, good Lord, was yeah, it grinding. Yeah. And it just never, until I got to about 32, I want to say, and I just realized that I'm still grinding and I'm getting sent out on things. But it, I just didn't see it to a point where I'm going, I'm going to make money at this. And I started right. seeing some of my, people who I worked with in restaurants who were 
in their 40s and they were bartending waiting tables but they were still out grinding they're trying to get their break i just i i just i just don't want to do that i saw that and said i don't it's okay and i and i was at peace with it i did one more show up in maine did a show had a great time and just came back and said all right i'm done i I gave it my all so i can put my head on the pillow and say i gave it my all and then I was sort of drifting a little bit because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how to make a full-time career in restaurants. And then I started working with, um, stumbled into doing like a million different odd jobs. I was a part-time, you know, t- uh, substitute teacher. I did messenger for a while. That lasted like one or two days. And I said, this is a horrible job. Uh, and then I started working inbound customer service and, you know, I just started working in different jobs like that. And then over time, I worked with a company for about 10 years of building processes and building training systems, building teams. I, I knew how to structure and replicate and almost create franchises in, in a mind. Mm. Like you could take a concept and build all the processes yeah, yeah. and then you could go open up another office. Right. I wrote the playbook for everything, knew how to do it and did that. And then left that company and I was starting to do it on my own. And at that time, that's probably 2008, 2009, Brian had left what he was doing and he was starting, he, he discovered SEO and I had no idea what that was, but he right. started his own, this agency type of model of helping with SEO and things out of his house. Next thing you know, he has uh, maybe about seven or eight employees and mm. I go down to him because my wife is saying you you got to get out of the house. You know you need people. That's what she used to say. So <laughs> right. You need you need to work with people. So I would right. go down to Brian's office, and Brian would help me teach me. He helped me build a website. He said you have to write, you know, content. Mm. Um, and I was doing customer service training and experience. And he said, well, car dealers need that. And he had a couple right. at the beginning. He had car dealers were one or two of his clients. And so I, he was helping me and I think I actually spoke at digital dealer before I joined Brian Do you know, I just submitted customer service and I look back now cause I saw an old video, you know, Facebook memories popped mm-hmm. up and I'm, God, we're still talking about the same thing that I was talking about. I could really oh, just yeah. light out the right, light oh, out yeah. the ear and I'm going and someone would say, that's relevant. Let's do that today. <laughs> I'm going, uh. And so, uh, so he was helping me. But so, as so, his company was growing, it was right. fa- I didn't think it was going to fail, but he's not good at the structure. So I created right. services. You big idea me. guy. A big idea guy. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I said, well, I'll help build the processes and the structure for your team. And then one of his or two of his employees just looked one day and said, well, can he stay here? Because he's helping <laughs> us really build. And so we sat down and came up with a you know partnership agreement and so i've been we doing can. part of the company you know for can we keep him little... can we keep him <laughs> it's like yeah, a exactly what it was and it was, it was the tech him? guy who never and it really was it was the tech guy then the, the guy who never said anything like literally right. he was the guy who was <laughs> building all of the infrastructure on the computer right. systems and stuff and he just walked in one day and just said if you want your business to be successful, he has to stay here. Mm. And I was going, thank you, Rich. Uh, so, yeah, so we've been together now for, I think, officially, you know, 10 years, 11 years or so working together. And so 
I always say I ran the day-to-day. I was the COO first, you know, built the operations. And then as we, as you said in the intro, as, uh, as we expanded and opened other divisions of consulting and education and training, we separated, you know, church and state. And Brian oversaw the consulting and the training and the events. And I oversaw the agency. And that's sort of where we are today, except now I'm out doing more consulting and training with people and helping them do what I did with the company, taught and teaching them what I did to scale and what to grow and how to build teams. And so we, uh, about a year ago, put Denise uh, Casagrande. Now she's running the day-to-day no, of no, the no, Nobody knows who that is, but I, nobody, nobody, nobody in the UK knows who that is. But I, I think the point you're trying to make is obviously you, you've, you through that scale process, have, have started to promote from within and started to, Absolutely. to, to continue that Absolutely. process. Yeah. You have to I, if you're going to scale. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 It's whatever I, and it's funny. I mean, whenever I have somebody on that, you know, I know that I know directly, you know, they're always talking to me like, it's just us talking like, oh, well, you know, yeah, Denise is oh, no, now. Oh, no, 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 no. And I'm like, She's nobody. She's a good person and, to follow on social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah, a good yeah. person. She's a good yeah. person for your audience um, to follow. Yeah, I'm just picking with you. So w- w- right. through, through this process, though, were you like through those moments, you know, in the in-between after giving up the acting, which, man, boy, I didn't see that one coming today. <laughs> when, you, when you were doing that, were you like, I've got this desire to do my own. You know, some people are accidental entrepreneurs and then some people are intentional, right? You meet those people that are like, ever since I was four, I knew that I wanted to be the captain of my own destiny. And then and then other people, you listen to their story and they're like, you know, we see where we are now. But was that when you were trying to, you know, quote unquote, find yourself, so to speak, was it ever, were you thinking about it in terms of, I need to run my own deal or I need to part, I need to be in a partnership or I need to, you know, you know, have, you know, something that I'm the owner of. Was that part of your thought process or it just kind of happened? It happened. I mean, I was looking, trying to figure out what my next thing was, but I had two young kids, you know, Mm -hmm. one of them who had uh, some medical challenges when he was younger and we had just moved and, you know, so all of it, and I got to go make some money. So I was never worried about working or hard work. I just had to figure it out. Um, But no, I think I'm, I'm always, I, I look back and I'm built more to be a great number two, meaning Mm. I love the operation side. So you, you know, I remember, I think Gary Vaynerchuk talks about that. You know, if you're, if you're a good number four or you're a good number two, you know, versus then, don't kid yourself that you're a number one. I'm a, right. you know, I'm, I'm more of someone. And I think that's why Brian and I match well, because Brian just has absolutely has no fear. So if he's the gas, right. I'm the break, right? Right. Back, yes. right? I'm the break going, let's think this through here before we just go. Yeah, sure. No, we can do it. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh. And so I'm more comfortable with the teams and the details and building in the processes. He right. made me a better I guess entrepreneur being a little more risk uh, acceptable and thinking more and going, yeah, we can do this. And I think I've pulled him back a little to Mm -hmm, to also mm -hmm. think a little bit. So I think that's where my comfort is. So it wasn't really, I have to own my own thing. It happened and I'm happy about it, but it wasn't, you know, Oh, I'm going to go out and do my own thing. Do do you think that 
it would have been different because like you know i i constantly get asked like i i I was just on a morning show talking about family and the business and you know obviously you know my wife works in the organization and Mm -hmm. and um and i you know so i get asked about that a lot and do you and one of the things i talk about in that segment is there's also a fundamental difference between someone coming into your business to work and someone being your partner or starting a business 50 50 the dynamics are different do you think that the dynamics that it would have worked out exactly the same way or the dynamics would have been the same if if it was from scratch if the two of you had just come together and said let's start something do you think it would have been different versus you versus him kind of having started it already and then you really doing what it was that you you do from a skill set and then determining from that point as you say to guys like hey can we keep him and you and your brother deciding at that point man yeah why don't we solidify this in 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 a more significant way do you think doing it that way helped fuel where you guys are today yeah i think so i i don't know how it would be different because in a weird way if it was 50 50 and everything would have to be really negotiated 50 50 because we're not that type of partnership right so right if it was all everything was 50 50 and everything had to be agreed on before we move forward i don't know because mm. he's much more yes speedy. that's what i'm so, yes right where i'm a little more cautious so having him being able to just all of a sudden go no we're doing this and we're off and running and me going all right i'll build it i'll go or you know i I, so i i don't know if we would have been able to i think we would have had a good business i don't know if it would be the same that it is right now so it's that's Mm. a that's an interesting exercise but i think uh him having that has allowed him to maximize his own gas right and i give just enough break versus too much break because i think then sometimes you can be overly cautious and you miss opportunities when you're trying to build a business what do you say to people you know people thinking about getting in client services or or because client services is hard Right. I mean, I mean, even Gary, you talk about Gary V. Gary V's like client services really sucks in the in the grand scheme of things, saying that tongue in cheek. But, you know, it's not that that client vendor partner, whatever language you want to use is is tough. And, you know, depending on who your audience is, that that could determine the scale. Right. Of how difficult that can be being in that client services business. What, what are some of the lessons that you think you're, you're, you've learned and would, you know, pass along to, to, to other people in that, in the client services space? I would say, um, I would say that the biggest mistake people make is thinking that your industry or your business is different than everyone else's. I remember coming into, you know, part of our clientele, you know, one of the verticals that we service a lot. You know, I remember the first time working with, you know, one of these clients and they said, oh, well, you know, our industry is different than everyone else. And I'm going, but you sell a product to customers. How is that different than, right. you know, you work in a restaurant or you work in what we consider retail. I'm going by and going to the gap. I mean, it's the same thing. So I think Sometimes we overthink that, yes, your industry might be a little different or your product might be different, but at the end of the day, it's still an interaction between 
I am delivering a product to a customer and a customer, you know, can I deliver what I promised in my marketing and is the experience I'm giving them good enough for them to come back and want more? And I, right. so I think that's the biggest mistake that they make. Uh, Cause I say a lot of times I learned a lot of everything that I do in terms of, you know, working with multiple industries where I learned in the restaurant business because that's fast and people want their food and they want it a certain way. And you have to have your, if you really want to stand out, it's more about the experience around the steak. It's not the steak. If that makes sense. Right. 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 What do you think are some of the, what do you think are some of those early mistakes that, that get made in that type of environment? Um, there's a couple things uh, as entrepreneurs on leaders, uh, when you start your business, if it's you, whoever it is, be it your wife, be it a couple good friends, you know, that core group of people that start when you finally say, we're in it and we're going to build this, that group, that first group of four people or whatever number it is, are willing to put in the time, willing to put, they, they understand the dream and the vision and they're willing to work. But as that grows, where some of the mistakes happen is as soon as you start putting an ad out for somebody and someone applies just, they look at your business just as a company. They don't get the whole, oh, I'm building this and here's my story. They're just applying for a job. So the biggest mistake people make is thinking that every employee should have the same commitment and passion as you do or your core three or four people that started the company. So mm -hmm. that's, that's a big mistake. And then the other one is getting so focused on getting the next customer that you forget to take care of your current customers, making them feel appreciated. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, we have a tendency to constantly go out and say, we need more, 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 but I can go get 20% more clients. But if I'm losing 30% out the back door, that's because right. of that's my right. poor retention, that doesn't do well versus let me take care of everybody. And then incrementally I'm retaining them. They come back for more. They're recommending people. They're referring people to me. Plus I'm marketing to people and that's the way I grow. So those two things I think are really important in the beginning, especially as you scale. Cause in the beginning you probably are so happy you have customers, you overwhelm them with great service. But once you right. get to a certain point, sometimes you start letting off the gas and you start taking them for granted or you start taking your first couple customers for granted and they go, oh, Corey doesn't love me anymore. I'll go somewhere else. So those right. two things I think would be some things to really pay attention to. Now, I, I think by nature, right, I mean, by, by nature, being in the in an agency world, you inherently have to try to stay on trend or, 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 or stay ahead. But what do you see typically, you know, from the, from the CEO's chair that you have to be cognizant of, like, like, like what's a skill you have now that you did not have when you, you know, kind of first came into your, your role now, whether that's COO or CEO still operationally, right. What, what's some of the skills, skill or skills you have today um, that you didn't have back then? Uh, great question. So I, I think there's there's a variety of them of just the technical skills of understanding marketing, right? I didn't, you know, learning digital marketing and an, understanding analytics and understanding all of these tools, websites, how they work. That's a whole just that's my business. So I have to understand those things to be able to run my business well. That's just understanding what your your products are or what your services are. But from the right. CEO standpoint, there's probably 
probably three things. One is financial projection mm. and planning and P and L and expenses, right? How do you project out, you know, especially if you are let's say you're going to an event and you're going to get your trade show and you know, how do you, how do you, you know, they, they want all their money right now. So if you're going to go say uh, right. 10 grand or 15 grand to go to this conference, where am I getting that money? You know, am I taking it off a line of credit? Am I just biting the bullet and then paying it off or, you know, and then mm. you're hoping that you generate revenue is right. you know, that whole concept of ROI did <laughs> this conference right, generate right. ROI maybe not today, but long-term. So that's sort of financial planning. Uh, number two would be actually how to, because I'm an operations details person, really now how to sit in a room with other high-level folks and talk big-level strategies mm. without getting too in the weeds. Right. I like weeds. I like details. Right. Sometimes people right. don't. Right. 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 So they'll tell you, don't, don't talk about that for them. They like, they like the pretty right. pictures and big, right. right. That's a skill that I didn't have. And then HR, human resources, the laws, you know, making sure people are taken care of and listened to and what you have to have in place. Cause when you're building your company, eventually there's a point of who's running HR and are you compliant with all of the labor laws and who's paying attention to all of that. So I think those were stuff, right? That's the, that's the non-sexy, but it could blow up really quickly and be really ugly. So I think those things, I think that's actually, I think that's a really good way to put it. I think as you become the CEO or when you're really, once you get past it, you know, and you have a business versus just me doing some things and you start having employees, you have to pay attention to a lot of non-sexy stuff. Right. That, that's, I think that's really a great way to put it. You have to really pay attention to those non-sexy things that will keep your business running and not running over a landmine that you didn't pay attention to. So, so now I know a few things and, that, and that, that's great. I hope, I hope everybody is, is really is really taking that in. And I always say, you know, I don't care if you're a, a solopreneur or, or have a very small team, you know, all of these things matter in the business. So many people, so many people have a skill set. Uh, oh, I'm a great coach or, you know, I'm a great baker. I'm a great this, but it's the, it's not that part that, makes or breaks your business it's the back end in many cases and some of the things that glenn is talking about that is really the difference maker you know in in the mix there so i want to pivot and talk for a minute about even recognizing you know inside your agency inside this creative environment that you're in i know a few years ago you know you even sat down and said you know we need to we need to refresh our brand maybe we need to rethink a few things share a little bit about that evolution of that moment when you even thought you know i guess that would be 6 or 7 years in at that point going back a few years that you know maybe mm-hmm. we need to i need to step outside right because there's this thing when you're finding success you've got clients you're you've got a healthy you know a healthy business and it's like well maybe i don't people stop reinvesting in themselves or reinvesting in their organization in that way but you know you and i had that conversation that you took a step back and and brought in some resources and worked with some resources and some experts to even you know retool some of the things you were doing talk a little bit about that yeah so 
during our company's evolution, uh, you know, we expanded to have a consulting division and we had events, right? So we had these three or four different names or so it was PCG consulting and PCG digital marketing at that time. And then there was PCG training and then there were first class educators for our events to have these divisions. But the way that we had built the company was Brian was the face. Brian, we pushed Brian out. Brian was very comfortable talking and writing, being seen and, and, and really building his brand as a thought leader. And that was phenomenal. And that helped us grow our business. But what was happening was our agency was sort of flatlining revenue wise. We'd bring in very much what I said before, we'd bring in people and then people would go out the back door. And so we never quite could get over the hump of where I wanted to from a revenue standpoint. But what was happening a couple times, people called me up. And this was, this was the like wake up call. People mm. called me up to ask for a recommendation because they call us up and say, hey, what about this product, whatever. But they called us up and said, could you recommend a digital marketing agency to us? <laughs> and I said, you do know we are an agency. And they said, oh, I didn't know you still did that because Brian's focusing and talking. I thought you guys just were consultants and mm. ran events. And I'm going, and, and, you know, the agency was probably 75% of our revenue base or 80% of right. our revenue. I'm going, okay, I'm going, that's not good. If the market doesn't even know we're alive, right? that's not a good thing. So I went, decided, and I took two or three of my top people who had been with me for a while. And I just went, I said, I have to go to somebody else. And I had heard, uh, you know, uh, someone on a podcast and that's what they did. They were focused on brand and how do you rebrand and what is your brand and is better message. So I said, we have to do this because we have to come up with a new messaging or a new way to talk about the agency to pull it out of this funk and shine a light back on it so that people go, Oh, okay. And so I went and it was for two days or three days, all of us sat in a room with these folks and they just ask questions. Who are you? What is it that, you know, wh what do you do that's mm -hmm, different? Mm -hmm, Who mm -hmm. is your audience? Really get in messaging and how do you talk about it and what would you do? And, and how do you make you, Glenn, you have to start being the face of that. Right. And who are you, you know, building that out and how are you doing that as the CEO? So if you're going to be the face of the agency where Brian's the face of the consulting and, and the uh, education. And so we came back and we you know, came up with a new logo. We shot a new video, a new way to talk about it. And then over time just started me being the face of, I started talking about agency and I was talking about, and so, and Brian was great too. Brian would pivot to start talking and almost he forgot and when we sat there and we're talking about it, he said, you know what? You're right. Cause I said, you know, you stopped talking about the agency mm. and he goes, yeah, but I, as a consultant, I didn't want to, you know, it's a delicate dance of being, Correct. Hey, you Correct. need some Correct. help come to my agency. Then people start not taking you serious as a consultant. If all you're really mm. doing is telling everybody you're horrible to sell my agency. So we found a delicate way or, or the right way for him to still talk about it and still keep his validity in the marketplace as an expert. And right. then I just had to step out of a little of my comfort zone to be more out in the front. And I know that's hard to say for an actor, but see an actor needs <laughs> the script. Yes, that makes the sense. Script. And, yes. and so once I had the script, I'm like, let's roll, let's go do this. I have no problem being on stage, no problem being in front of a camera. 
no problem talking. You just got to tell me what you want me to say. And off we go. And so that's where that brand pivot went. And it's, and we've been able to now, I think our agency is probably over the last six, eight months, we have my other brother, Steven joined as a salesperson and he's just killing it. And we now are, I think we're at our highest revenue we've ever been, but it took that to get us out of that funk right. and re-engage right. people to be aware that we're alive. And I think that is a good lesson for people when they're running their businesses. I think what you said, you get so busy run, do, working in the business to right. get it done, you got to take time to step out and you know work on the business. Right. Do people even know we're out here? Do you think so? Like I, I was saying earlier, you know, like you, you guys are in your third move. Just got, congratulations on the new offices. What's the signal to that? Did you like? Did you just run out of space? You're like, we need a bigger space, or was the you know purely that? Or how, how inside a growing organization like yours, how do you know when it's time to? to hire five more new people or, or, or expand the office or do those types of things? Well, from a tactical standpoint, every time your lease is up, you know, it sort of gives you a moment where you're forced to reflect. Do I renew and stay here? Do I move? Do I need to move? So that's, that's part of it. I think from mm. terms of scaling and hiring people as you're growing, it's really goes back to your conversation earlier, your point earlier, which I think is really strong, is that the non-sexy stuff. You have to look at it and say, okay, well, if I have my structure in our agency, we have account managers. How many accounts can they actually handle? Same thing if we're running paid search or social media accounts. You know, how, mon how much can they handle before the quality of the service goes down? Not what they think, because, you know, again, people will always think they, you know, they uh, I'm overworked or I'm at my level. And you're going, yeah, you can probably handle three or four more. Um, right. And they're but understanding plan, they that, and, that. Right. And then projecting me, out. Me, you know, and that, yeah. yeah. So then you have to project out. So you if I know Corey can handle 10 clients and that's it. So he handles 10 and he's at eight. And all of a sudden sales, this is where you got to talk to everybody. If sales is projecting, all of a sudden we see sales is consistently bringing in three new deals every single month, right? And so I have Corey and three other people. And so we currently have, you know, 30 clients and everybody's racked up. And now you say, okay, well, even though they can handle 10, they probably could handle 12 in the short term, but that means I got to go hire somebody. And then it's also knowing what the, learning curve is for someone to be able to take all 10 maybe they can handle five so you say okay i gotta hire somebody today or start looking for somebody today because in two months we're going to be racked up and, and swamped right so it's right it's understanding how to project and plan that's where you scale and then you look around and go well do i have to go get a bigger space or could i have some people work at home could we do flex schedules you know, again, bigger space means more rent, which means more expenses. Correct. Do you do you really need to take that on, or are there other options that you can play with? Right. Interesting. So let's put on your digital hat for a second. I want I want to pivot from the story and your internals to the external advice for people that may people that may be listening here. You know, if you and I sat down on an airplane and, you know, we knew we had an airplane ride and, you know, hey, you know, what do you do? What do you do? And I find out that, you know, you're 
you're, you have this agency and I say to you, man, I, I'm all over the place with marketing. What, what, what really should I be doing right now in, in this, in this current climate, what should be my priorities from a, from a marketing in a digital marketing in all this social media stuff? What should we be doing? What's your, what's your advice going to be for me? Well, first I have to know. So before we even talk about that, see, to me, marketing is a couple steps away. First, I have to understand what it is you do, right? So what is your product? What is your service? Who's your audience, right? Who, who consumes your services, right? So I need to understand that. Then we can, you know, in terms of what you say, that's a whole other conversation of your brand message and things like that. But my point is, is I got to know your audience right? because that's going to dictate where I go. Because I think that all avenues, meaning if we talk about, I call it offline media, which is radio, TV, print, things like that versus online, digital, being, do you have a website, you know, advertising on Google, advertising on Facebook and Instagram, all of that. And then what happens if it's a physical retail store, what happens when they come here? The digital piece right now, again, depending on who your audience is, if it skews young, right? If you're selling products to, you know, I have two boys who are 13 and soon to be 15, you're not going to find them on Facebook. You're not going to find them, you know, they're, they're not going to be, they're not even going to be watching regular TV, but where do they consume content? They're on Instagram, they're on YouTube. So then I would say to you, you need to start figuring out Instagram ads and I'd probably be pushing out YouTube pre-roll, right? And then find out again, that's, that's the agency's job. What videos, what content do they watch? And then can I put your content on a little, you know, pre-roll ad ahead of time. If you skew older or, you know, or you cover a wide breadth of people, well, then I'd start saying Facebook advertising is still really economical. Mm. Where's your audience? How are you going to target? I'd be doing Facebook ads. You might want to, uh, you know, maybe are you buying Google ads? Again, depending on what, who your audience is. And maybe it still is, in your town, your area, the newspaper still works or TV still works, but not necessarily just buying, you know, your ad on at on sports or news or I'm going to buy the Big Bang Theory at 730. Right now with all of the cable companies, because they have all the data from those set top boxes, I now can do targeted ads. I could say mm. what, who, if Corey, if Corey is my audience, now I can start going, well, what TV shows does Corey watch? What are the seven or eight shows Corey watches? I'm going to put mm. my ads on those shows because Corey can see them versus I'm just going to yeah. hope Corey's watching TV at 730. Let, so let me ask you this. much more well, targeted. Yes, yeah, let ahead. me ask you this. Do you find that people default to making marketing decisions about what they like or think versus – the customer do you do you still find that to be an issue absolutely absolutely yeah. because they don't uh, as an owner if you don't if you don't understand it you'll say well i I'm, I'm not on facebook or facebook is right. stupid right right so if i say facebook is stupid why would i spend money there the answer is it's not about you 
Your right. customers are on there, right? So then, so I always, t- now when you run across, and this is one going back to mistakes people make, is I can't argue with that person, right? They're right. sort of closed <laughs> off. Right. I, have to, I have to find a connection somewhere else. So what I mm. would say to them is, well, where do you consume content, right? right? He goes, well, I watch TV. Great. Well, what do you, would you like to have your commercials in front of, People like yourself who are watching TV. He goes, yeah, do it all the time. Well, what about those people that are watching? You know, do you know anybody who's on social media? Oh, my wife is on social media and all these other people are on social media. I said, but would you like your commercials to be shown to those people? (laughs) He goes, yeah, I would, but I don't understand it. That different conversation. And then once you start explaining to them, you know, there was a, a, a short little story. There was an older gentleman at a workshop I was talking about, and we were talking about video pre-roll. So those are the ads that play uh, before videos when you're on whatever website you're getting your news or sports or whatever. And he just goes, I don't understand this. And I said, well, let me walk you through this. I said, do you do commercials? I love commercials. Do it all the time. I said, have you ever been on a website getting your news or your sport, and there's that little short 30 second video that becomes before the video that you want to watch. He goes, yeah, I don't like those. They're annoying. I said, Mm -hmm. what if I could put your commercial there? You understand that that's a commercial on a website before a video. And all of a sudden it seemed to unlock. He goes, so that's a commercial. You could do that. I said, yeah. Do you know how to make a commercial? He goes, I know how to make a commercial. I said, great. You make the commercial. I'll tell you, I need 30 seconds or 15 or a minute. And then I'll put it in front of people that are going to watch videos that connect. And he was so excited, but you had to break that down mm. and take time instead of just going, you're wrong. He doesn't understand social media. You're right, wrong. Right. right. Just your use right. go away. Right. If you explain it, but there is still, it's just people's prejudice of not understanding or not liking something That's right. and saying, well, then I'm not going to do it versus it doesn't matter about you. It's where is your customer? That's right. That's where right. is your customer consuming content? And can I get my ads in front of them enough that they know who I am? Are, are you seeing, is there anything that you say you see? Like, is there anything that's wowed you right now? Like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe we're doing this. Or, man, this is so – this is much more effective than I ever thought it would be. Any mediums like that now or marketing strategies or kind of products that you're seeing that are just, like, really shocking you or surprising you in their effectiveness? It's funny. A couple people have said this, and, and I'm not 100%. I don't buy it completely. But a lot of people are mm. saying there's nothing new in digital marketing anymore meaning it's starting to mature as a Mm. medium. So, yeah, there's individual products that I see that go, oh, well, that's cool, you know. But what it is is, you know, as as one, you know, I I spend some time with automotive dealers and we have other clients in ours. It's funny how that industry is catching up to others where we work with retail stores that, you know, when you're on there looking at a purse or shoes or something, they spin. Right. right, I can turn the whole image all around. Right, there's a product called Spin Car that now does that. It helps you be able to go turn the car around, and I'm like, that's cool. But there's really right. nothing. Right. I think as most most digital marketing, I think I'm more wowed with some of the concepts of what cable TV can do now, where because it it can be as targeted, they can mm. find me. Um, 
wherever I am. You know, we, we tried to be cord cutters and you think, oh, well, I'll just on demand. They won't find me. We found you. You know, we're, right, we're finding right. you wherever you are. Marketers will find you sooner or later. Um, you know, there's TikTok out there right now. And everybody was like, no, now I saw something about, well, they're going to start having ads and all. And I'm like, oh, there's the marketers. They're coming right. in. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, somebody's got to, I mean, all this cash is being burned inside these organizations to staff it and run the technology. I mean, it's right. It's got to get monetized at, at, at some point. I laugh um, because. I'm that guy. I always pay the extra to avoid the commercials. Like my Hulu account, I pay the extra sure. three bucks so there's no commercials. I buy CBS All Access so there's no commercials in my like. Mm-hmm. I'm so that person. But that's okay, and they they realize that, so they're leveraging that to make money to say I'll pay to not see right. it. But I, I can't run from retargeting happening. though. <laughs> I can't. I can't Ooh, run online. Can't get away. They find me. You, yeah, I mean like. They'll I can't run you. from Grant Cardone online, right? You can't run. No. Some people you can't, you can't run, run from. Like, <laughs> I just think that really I think what's happening is that businesses are starting to understand that. they. I think businesses are starting to understand what they need to market versus because the how they market, meaning through digital, everything. It's agencies. A lot of this is matured now. And it's just right. how much am I willing to spend and how am I targeting? And again, it gets more granular depending on privacy. But I think people are starting to understand that it's getting back almost, you know, before all of the bombardment of all of these messages and, and ads, it gets back to the experience that you deliver to your customers. I think that's starting to matter more than price more than yes they want convenience but that's part of the customer service but you know the product we'll all spend more on a product if it's if the experience around it is better sometimes you'll even get a lesser product because the experience was great versus well yes this product's technically supposed to be a little bit better but it's so hard to do business with them eh. I don't want to do it. I think people are really getting back to understanding. I, I think you had mentioned it earlier. It's really starting to understand what the customer wants, not what I want. Right, right. What the customer wants and how do I deliver that to them, both in experience and both in marketing versus just because I think it's right doesn't matter. Right. What would you say so far has been one of your craziest entrepreneurship moments? Oh, God. I think some of the craziest ones have just been – you know, a couple of times it's just been where I find myself, you know, all of a sudden I look up, you know, I, I say that I, it's more the journey of being where I'm at, where if you told me when I was young that I would have, um, it, I've, I've spoken in different countries, I've spoken in front of thousands of people, I've sat at the, at the highest level with the owners of a manufacturer, mm. right? I think that's the crazier ones where all of a sudden, you know, there was one we were consulting in Europe, you know, and we're talking and we walk in to this meeting and all of a sudden it's people you see on the TV and the news as the owners of this, you know, as the top, they're the CEO of this manufacturing brand. And right. you're going, how do I end up in here? Like <laughs> that to me is crazy. It's not so much the work. It's more where I end up, who I'm in front of. Sometimes that's what the craziest part is. But I think, it, when I look back, it's the fact of just putting your head down and working hard and having a good reputation and building relationships and delivering quality work. All of a sudden, other people will want to help you. And that, I think, is 
something that, you know, I heard it this morning. It's funny you say it was Grant. It was something pulled up on Facebook. But he always said, you can't achieve your goals without other people. It's impossible for you to really attain the goals you want by yourself. You need either a support structure in your family. You need a team around you. You need your customers. You need relationships. And I think that, to me, is the craziest thing for me is that how many people – because I like doing things by myself, and my wife always yells at me, (laughs) you don't want to ask for help. Right. But I think it's just – I'm blown away. The craziness of this journey as an entrepreneur is how many people – even you, I've met you, how much you've been willing to help me with mm. feedback and your time and your counsel. Like that blows me away. That's the crazy part of this is how many people, if you're open to it, are willing to help you along your journey. So I think all entrepreneurs, I think we have a tendency when we begin, think it's just me against the world when actually right. there's a lot of people out there. And I think you've done a really good job with your mentor programs and talking to people and being there right. for people. I think, I think that is asking for help is not a weakness. That's when right. When we start as entrepreneurs, I think as soon as we say, if I ask for help, then I'm not as good as I think I am. And, that's right. Well, if you don't ask for help, you'll never be as good as you could be. <laughs> I think that's a good way to look at it. I I, I agree a hundred percent. So, man, that that's just some some powerful some powerful stuff that it makes a lot of sense to people. Now we're gonna lighten your load, okay? We're gonna we're gonna take you right into the entrepreneurship rapid fire section, Glenn. This is an opportunity where we're gonna give some people a chance to see how you tick, see some of the things you're into that we can say publicly on the podcast, you know? Uh, <laughs> nine questions. I want whatever first thing that comes to your head. Don't don't think too much into it. And, uh, okay. and we're going to roll right through it. That's why we call it rapid fire. So nine questions. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. PC or Mac? Mac. What's your favorite car- credit card right now to run your run your business? Uh, Amex. Amex Platinum. A lot of the agencies are big on that, uh, I'm, I'm sure, for the expanding lines. When it comes to keeping your schedule, physical planner or digital planner? Combination. Favorite software right now to manage your business? Uh, we like Insightly. That's our project management and CRM system. Starbucks, Dunkin', or other? <sighs> Starbucks before Dunkin', but I'm open to other. Yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a, a a Swiss politician CEO right there. <laughs> I'm going to take them all. I don't want to rule any opportunities out, right? When it comes to thanking people, thank you card or thank you email? More email, but mo- first would probably be call, but email before card. I have to get better at cards. Okay. Hardcover, when it comes to reading, hardcover, tablet, or audiobook? tablet first what would you say is your next big goal uh finally launch it's in gonna launch within hopefully within well no it will within 60 days is my own podcast video type podcast that's my next big hurdle to get done okay final question one day with any mentor who's still alive who would that person be Oh gosh, uh, that's a big one. Uh, I would probably 
stay. I'd like to spend a day with Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Okay, yeah, I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. So, so folks, I, I, uh, in case Bill Gates is not listening, if you're connected to Bill, let Bill know that Glenn Pash needs to get a day of his time. Let's see. Maybe we can make that dream come true in this in this world of six degrees of separation, and we'll make Glenn super, super happy. Glenn, I've got the entrepreneurship trivia question of the day for you, and this is your opportunity to determine if you will go on the Hall of Fame on our show for getting it correct or, of course, the Hall of Shame for getting it wrong. <laughs> Now, the good news is it's multiple choice. Uh, It's ABC, which means you have a 33% chance of getting it right. Are you ready for your question? I am ready for my question. Okay. Who said the following? There are no secrets to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. Here are your options. A, Colin Powell. B, John C. Maxwell. Or C, Mario Andretti. Wow. <laughs> so, man, Mario Andretti just comes out of there. I mean, I can read it uh, again if you need me to read it again. Let me yeah, know. Yeah, read it again. All right, one more time. There are no secrets to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. And your options are Colin Powell, John C. Maxwell, or Mario Andretti. Through Mario Andretti is like the, the red herring. I uh, my first thought was Colin Powell. Okay, uh, is that your final answer? I, I yeah sure. <laughs> well, Glenn, I will tell you that you are going to go down in the hall of fame because Colin Powell is the correct answer. <laughs> so. <laughs> get as excited get as excited as i know you can be so, i know that's awesome i love that that's you great. uh you, you did get it right so you will go down in the hall of fame with us glenn how do people um i know you've written two books power of connected marketing I, I know those books are available on amazon how do people learn more about you kind of get in your ecosystem connect with you what's the best way for them to do that great so i am on all my social media is just my name glenn with two n's Pash, P-A-S-E-H. I spend a lot of time on Twitter and I, uh, LinkedIn is a good way if someone wants to connect with me. Um, I'm always there. I'm sharing a lot of content and the company is pcgdigital.com. Uh, you can connect with me there. Our team posts a lot of content, blogs, helpful things as well. Uh, but yeah, LinkedIn and Twitter would probably be the two best places. That's where I hang out the most. Awesome, Glenn. Glenn, I want to thank you so much for taking your time to uh, join the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Always fun to chat with you. As I close out today's episode, I'm asking that you subscribe to my podcast to get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a review. And if not, just keep it to yourself. And if you've heard something today that you think can help someone you know, then I encourage you to share it. Finally, if you are a business owner that is ready to become a fearless entrepreneur, then head on over to my website, fearlesswithcorey.com, to learn more about the most comprehensive business growth support system for entrepreneurs on the planet. I'm Corey Mosley, and this has been another episode of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Hey.